0: This sports industry access podcast, episode one hundred and seven. What skill sets do you need to pursue a career in the mass participation sports industry? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who is an expert in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the mass participation sports industry. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Chris Robb. Chris is an author, international keynote speaker, and the CEO of Mass Participation Asia. With over 30 years of experience in the sports industry, he specialises in delivering mass participation sports events to inspire people to stay active and physically healthy across three continents. I can happily say it's a privilege to have Chris as a special guest on the show. That's why in today's episode, Chris will share his sports career journey and explain to you what skill sets you need to pursue a career in the mass participation sports industry. Chris, it's great to have you on the show. Please, can you share your sports career journey to the listeners? When did it all start?
1: Fantastic, Ed. Wonderful to, uh, to catch up with you again. We first met in London uh, quite a few months ago now and, uh, and, and love all the amazing work you're doing. So thank you for the opportunity to share what um, is hopefully an opportunity to provide some, some lessons and inspiration to uh, your viewers. Um, I'm incredibly lucky. I've, I've had a uh, more than 30-year journey in the primarily mass participation industry now. And uh, albeit that I'm, I'm way beyond those 30 years, it actually started for me when I was a 16-year-old growing up, uh, pretty poor actually, on a farm in Zimbabwe. And uh, I was a passionate 800, 1500-meter uh, runner. And uh, the track that we ran on, which uh, you would probably know very little about, were those old-fashioned cinder tracks, where literally we had crushed cinders, which would be rolled into a mud base and uh, the cinders had washed off our track and I decided it would be a, a great idea to organize a fun run to raise money to resurface our track and recognize that I, I loved the opportunity of, uh, I guess, seeing the thrill of people's faces as they cross the finish line. I love the entrepreneurial part of getting sponsors and getting approvals. And, uh, and I guess I love the impact of, uh, of, of making a difference on people's lives. Um, uh, So from there, it it, it took me to South Africa where I went to university, um, got involved in a a number of events there, primarily starting off as a runner, but ended up quite quickly becoming president of our university running club that had a a great portfolio of events. I was involved in South African marathon championships, um, a a televised uh, track and field meet, uh, the famous Comrades Marathon, which uh, some of your listeners might be aware of. So I had this amazing opportunity as a student to, I guess, work in a bit of an incubator and learn learn the tools of the trade to some degree. And, and, and once I finished university, I went off traveling for a number of years, including some time in, in the UK, and ultimately emigrated to Australia, where within about six months of arriving with $15,000 in my pocket, I set up my first real business, organizing mass participation events whilst i'd been at university i'd been running a business part-time as well as as well as uh, basically organizing the university athletics club events I, I was fortunate enough to to learn the ropes to some degree um work, working and running a sort of a branch office from my spare room at uni um for, for an uh, event management company which stood me in great stead in australia Um, And and really the business grew from there. I was incredibly fortunate to end up being the road event supervisor at the Sydney Olympics, which was an incredible experience that led to me attracting clients after the Olympics, such as JP Morgan, which ultimately took me on a journey to Asia when um, I'd been uh, looking after them for, I think, four or five years in, in Australia, organizing the JP Morgan corporate challenge, which is part of a a global series of events they do. And and they'd asked me to to help them grow into Asia. And and obviously was incredibly lucky to have an anchor client in the the profile of JP Morgan, set up an office in Singapore, delivered the the first event for them there. And and that led to over 15 years in Singapore, um, growing the business through Asia, organizing the Singapore Marathon, which at its peak had 60,000 participants in it. Now it's around about 50, 55 participants creating and growing a a cycling event, which started as Cycle Singapore and and grew out into Cycle Asia with um, I think about 20, 25,000 cyclists a year across events in uh, in Singapore, Malaysia, the Philippines, partner events in, in Australia. And ultimately sold that business to Ironman uh, about two years ago. And I'm now lucky enough to, to live in Bali where I, um, I'm, I do a, a bunch of work, including uh, advising, consulting, running an industry conference and, and have a growing international speaking career. So incredibly lucky in the journey that I've had thus far in the mass participation industry.
0: Wow. What an unbelievable journey, Chris. Literally, I'm blown away with that response. Just really quickly, going back to when you're at university, would you mind explaining to listeners the learning lessons you took from starting up your own company looking back now?
1: Yeah, look, it's it's a great question. And I think obviously relevant as I understand it, the bulk of your your, your listeners are are students that are looking to to get into whether it be the sports industry or the mass participation industry specifically. And and I think you know at the end of the day it's fundamentally about entrepreneurism a lot of our industry and i think you know globally there's a there's a wonderful never been such a big opportunity for people in whatever their chosen vocation is to be entrepreneurs rather than going the, the traditional track of um, you know going into big corporations and, uh, and and working their way up the ladder. There's, you know, you can pretty much, whilst you're at university or the day you leave university, start a business with limited limited capital and, and I think it's it's learning the skills of entrepreneurship, which are juggling many balls, it's working long hours. It's being very clear on on what your why is and and what it is that you want to achieve. And some people get kind of fall into the trap of thinking that why is all about making money. And, um, you know, there's no doubt that my longevity in this industry has been as a result of me doing something that I'm incredibly passionate about. I love sport. Uh, I love impacting people's lives. And, you know, I've been fortunate to have been at the helm of events for over a million people and indirectly probably impacted somewhere between five and ten million people when you think about the families and friends of those participants and the charities that have been supported and everything along the way, so the satisfaction that I get out of that, and you know those are some of the you come back to your question of the lessons you know the biggest buzz is not the dollar in the bank account it 's not the the fancy restaurants that I might have eaten eaten at with sponsors and, the, and, and, and and those kind of experiences it 's the buzz of being stopped in the street by someone and saying, Chris, you changed my life. You know, my boss persuaded me to cycle the 20 kilometers in, in your cycle Singapore event. And now I've got this fancy bike and, and and I ride five times a week and it's impacted my health and it's impacted my well-being. and And, you know, hundreds, thousands of those sorts of stories, the thrill of Seeing the smile on the on, on on the face of a a mother crossing the finish line and being reunited with her family at the end of a marathon, those kind of things are you know I just would really encourage your listeners to look at what are you really doing this for? It's not necessarily about buying the big house and buy, driving the fancy car and, and the like and then it's about building those entrepreneurial skills which are so valuable whether you're in a small entrepreneurial business or a medium-sized business or, or, or in a in a big corporation it's about relationships it's about understanding if it's marketing it's operations the more versatile you can be, I think the better your chance of success.
0: Well, Chris, you're certainly inspiring me with regards to my podcast journey. Just from a sports industry perspective, have you seen the industry develop from the last twenty years?
1: Yeah, look, another great question. I mean, it's it's just amazing. I think the industry has you know grown out of sight in that time, both in terms of the numbers of people that are participating in sport generally, the the, the revenues that are being uh, um, attracted to it. Uh, you know where it was. Um, you know, so often about passion and in many ways still is. It's now so much more about business. Obviously, the days of amateurism are long gone. The money that's involved, the careers that are involved, you see the, the dollars that are involved. It's obviously transfer season at the moment in, 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 in the English Premier League and you see the kind of money that's being paid for players, um, the impact that that then has on teams, The you know, the, the, the dollars that are involved, the business that goes behind it is massive. Obviously, in in more recent years, the impact of social and digital media, the ongoing impact of technology disruption that's happening all the way across uh, across these industries, it's it's I guess it's it's constantly changing and evolving, and uh, you know at a, at an even faster and faster pace every year. So something that was kind of very amateur, particularly in our space, it was run by committees, it was run by you know, a group of friends. It was run by a a husband and wife team that had a passion and and grew it. And and that still is the case to a large degree. But, uh, you know, with with the requirements of compliance, the growing importance of security and safety and risk management and the instant risk of, you know, social media is your friend and foe all in the same moment, you know, and one minute Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are helping you to promote an event and attract tens tens, of, or, or thousands of participants, tens of thousands and thousands of participants, the next minute you might be responding to, to a crisis where there's been an accident in a cycling event and you know, photos of someone who's lying prone on the side of the road are you know, being posted on social media before you as the event organizer might even be aware of it. So it's, it's become, in a word, I think it's become way bigger and it's become way more complex.
0: Chris, what you're talking about really relates to today's podcast topic. What career skills do you need to pursue a career in the mass participation industry?
1: You know, again, a bit of what I shared beyond there, it's it's about being versatile. It's about being adaptable. I think one of the biggest skills you need is people skills. It's very much about partnerships. So whether that's partnerships with sponsors, whether it's partnerships with governments from a funding perspective or whether it's from an approvals perspective, so Partnering with local councils, partnering with police, and again, I I I, I don't use the word partner lightly. It's uh, you know t- too often it might be seen as more of a transactional um you know go to the police, ask them to 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 give me a permit to run my event. My experience has been the more you take that as a partnership approach of understanding that the police have their challenges as well and you have your challenges and objectives and really working together to say, how can we achieve the best outcome for um, all parties that are involved? That's, um, me as the event owner or organizer, it's the police in terms of what they have to do with their stakeholders, which might be businesses, which might be places of worship, which might be uh, general people using the roads on, on a weekend, uh, which might be retail outlets, which might be hotels and so on. The more you understand and, and are able to work in partnership, so it's all about people skills. So coming back to you know the, the question of career skills. Uh, you know, in terms of your, I guess your more um, academic skills, it's very much about social media. It's very much about um, CRM and engagement. And I think one of the big opportunities in business generally and mass participation very specifically is, um, you know, engagement is becoming increasingly important. It's, uh, you know, I still see in our industry many events of. Dear Ed, entries for the marathon have opened. Please sign up. Thanks for signing up. Here's a training program. Please come along to your race pack collection. Here's your results. Maybe here's a certificate. Thanks for participating. And then we don't talk to you for another six months until we launch the event next year. Well, that's that's missing a great opportunity to, to, to really engage. So again, coming back to your question, good understanding of CRM, good understanding of sponsorship and activation of sponsorship um and and you know particularly here in asia where i'm based the market is is evolving rapidly but one of the areas where i think there's still significant opportunity for growth um and and evolution is that of of the activation of sponsorship and the and the platform that a, a, a mass participation event provides to engage with sponsors and then it's the things i spoke about in the previous question it's all it's all the business skills it's Finance. it's people management from a staffing perspective, it's recruitment, um, it's all of your fundamentals of of, of running a business.
0: Chris, out of interest then, what inspired you to write your book, which I am reading at the moment and I find it's going to be a fascinating and useful resource for the listeners?
1: I think the primary reason for it was to be able to share my learnings. When I started writing the book, I think I'd been 27, 28 years in the industry. Um, You know, I think there are, few people that have my breadth and depth of experience in the world. You have, you know, some real standouts like, you know, people like, let's say, Dave McGillray, the race director of the Boston Marathon has delivered way many more events than me, but fundamentally focused on, a, um, on an American market. I'm incredibly fortunate that I've delivered events in Africa. I've delivered events in, in Australia and Asia. And I've been involved in smaller parts in, in events in, in, in America and, and, and Europe. So this this opportunity to have been across so many different cultures and experiences and across a range of events from fun runs to marathons to cycling events and so on. So that the idea to be able to share that knowledge um, with as many people as possible with the hope that it would Grow and improve the industry. I think there's, you know, my my approach is that if we if we have better collaboration and we have um, better best practice across the industry, everybody benefits from it. So yeah, share in, in summary, share my knowledge and help others and 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 help improve standards.
0: I find it a fascinating read at the moment. Just out of interest, because you said the part about partnerships in the book really well. Did you have any learning lessons with regards to, let's say, running an event in Africa compared to Asia? Did you have like, were there some barriers, if that makes sense, from a participation point of view?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think, you know, fundamentally the principles are, are, are similar in most countries. What many people lose sight of are the, the importance of understanding local culture um, and it's particularly relevant in Asia, but I think it's relevant you know, anywhere in the world. Um, I might be the, the biggest expert in the world in my field, but if I think I can just turn up in another country and because I've got 30 years experience, just uh, walk in and tell people how to deliver it and know, know the nuances of that local culture, I'm, I'm very quickly going to fall flat on my face and, and, and I can't stress enough the importance of local partners, I, I I was fortunate uh, in in February to deliver the closing keynote of Running USA, which is probably one of the biggest conferences in our industry in in Austin, Texas, with uh, 700 delegates. And and one of the key messages I kept coming back to was the importance of a local partner, understanding local cultures. And, you know, in Asia, you, you can go, for example, from Singapore, you can drive across the causeway into Malaysia and, 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 and the cultural nuances are massively different. The way that business is done are massively different. Um, so really understanding that, making sure that you're working with a local partner and recognising that you don't have all the answers however long you've been in an industry. And I'm not just talking about the running industry or the mass participation industry or the sports industry. It's applicable to pretty much any industry.
0: Out of interest, Chris, what have you been up to recently?
1: Yeah, lots of exciting things happening. Um, the key focus at the moment is preparing for our third edition of the Mass Participation Asia Conference, which I started in 2015. It will take place in uh, in Singapore in December on the 10th and 11th of September. Um, and, and it's essentially a two-day conference bringing the industry together with an Asian focus, but increasingly people coming in from, from all over the world. So we have a partnership with Running USA, Uh, Which will see us um, uh, doing a number of initiatives with them, education, uh, a runner survey um, and and a number of other initiatives with them. But really bringing the industry together and uh, and, and, and collaborating and, and working on best practice. Uh, so that's taking up a fair bit of time. My my speaking uh, is growing. I've been speaking in Australia. I was in, uh, as I mentioned, in Austin. Um, I'm up in Singapore next month. Um, I'm off to an event which I'm doing some consulting work on in Jakarta this weekend for ASIC. So I helped them with a, with a, a, a regional uh, event that they put on, which I actually created a, a few years ago. And they've asked me Um, in recent times to come back and help them with that event so the consulting the advising the speaking and and the conference and um, and also uh, starting uh, or have done the planning and we'll start writing in the first week of september my second book which will be called the gifts of disaster so taking my lessons from 30 years in the industry um, and, and looking at all of the periods of adversity and, and in, in instances dealing with genuine disasters. So, you know, I've had five people die in events that I've been involved in. I've been impacted by the death of the King of Thailand on, on, on in fact, the Mass Participation Asia Conference in Thailand in 2016. Extreme weather, highways collapsing, political demonstrations so sharing with people not just in the mass participation and sports industry, but generally the the lessons that I've learned on a personal and business uh, business perspective of of those uh, disasters in inverted commas.
0: Well, I don't know how to respond. Um, all I'm going to say is I look forward to reading that a lot. I think we always look at the high things in life with our successes and to hear adversity. I think that's another area of any career that's just as vital. Chris, just on a personal note, then, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey looking back now?
1: I think two things, Ed, as I mentioned before, I just love the thrill of impacting the lives of people um, that 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 gives me great satisfaction and then i've I've been incredibly fortunate to have had these amazing money comp buy experiences, so I think I mentioned earlier, I was the road event supervisor at the Sydney Olympics. And and that gave me the opportunity to sit on the lead vehicle of the marathon and watch the Olympic marathon unfold right in front of me, the men's, women's and Paralympic marathons. I had a key role in the transition zone of the of the first ever olympic triathlon um through my relationships in the industry i've had you know amazing behind the scenes opportunities you know riding in a team car in the tour de france um, being in the broadcast with Phil Liggett, who many would know as the, as the voice of cycling, I count as a friend. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to, you know, go into the broadcast booth and see him broadcasting and stand on the finish line of the Champs-Élysées um, of, of, of the Tour de France, um, you know, behind the scenes at World Cup soccer when it was in uh, Germany and um, uh, World Cup rugby and, and, you know, just so many amazing Money can't buy experiences uh, which 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 will live with me forever.
0: Well, I'm certainly grateful speaking with you today, Chris, and I know you've touched on some great piece of advice, but I always like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university students who want to pursue a career in the sports industry?
1: The advice that I regularly give to to young people is is volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. You know, go you, you, you might go and spend years studying for something and turn up after three, five years of study and you know, go into the career that you've chosen and discover after three or six months that you you hate it and you feel that you've made a mistake. So, you know, whenever you get the opportunity to do um, work during your, your, your vacations and the like, Go and try out the career that you're doing. Try it, um, you know, and if you've got young people that are still at school, if you're thinking you're going to get into the events industry, go and volunteer on a, on a running event or a triathlon event or, or at a football match or a rugby match, whether that be your local club or whether it be, um, you know, at a high level if you've got the right connections. But you can learn so much. And if I look through particularly my business in Australia when I founded it, so many of my long-term staff were people that knocked on the door and said, can I come and help at your event this weekend? Have you got an opportunity for me to come and work for a few weeks during uh, the semester break? And, and, And it gave us a great opportunity to kind of check each other out in inverted commas you know they recognized that they liked working for the organization I recognized that they had a great aptitude and was able to be able to mentor and help them grow but you know if they hadn't chosen that they might have gone and invested 3 years in a in a university degree in sports management and then turned up in the industry and found that they didn't like the long hours they didn't realize it was such hard work and I know more and more university qualifications these days do require those kind of intern placements and so on but you know start young go and go and go and volunteer at a charity event or whatever and you'll get a real sense of what goes on behind the scenes the less glamorous parts um, and you know the reality is our industry particularly it's long hours it's hard work it's often unsociable hours but it's absolutely and an incredibly satisfying i believe
0: Absolutely and what a great piece of advice Chris. I really do hope the listeners take it on board. How can people interact with you online?
1: Yeah, look a couple of different ways. So my website and blog is uh chrisrob.asia. Um, on Facebook I'm at chrisrobasia and uh in, Instagram chrisrobasia and my LinkedIn is chris-rob.
0: That is great to all the listeners listening in. All those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much, Ed, and and all the best. Uh, congrats on the wonderful work that you're doing, and uh, you know, I wish wish your view your listeners uh, all the very best in their careers, and um, hopefully see more and more uh, enthusiastic young people coming into this fantastic industry.
0: Wow, what a brilliant podcast chat with Chris! I have to say, as always, when I have a big smile like I do right now. It's because this is why I enjoy the work I do. And speaking to Chris, I learned just as much as you listen to it right now. And for me, there are many learning lessons from this podcast chat. But for me, the biggest lesson I've learned from Chris is that you've got to know the why you do something and the why you want to make an impact For me, the biggest hitting point was those moments you can't buy. And a lot of that is about the sports industry, because if you do work in the sports industry, you will be involved in many sporting events. If you think about sports is all about an event, it's always about the next event. It could be the next running event, the next football match, next Saturday, the next tennis tournament. So everything is all about events. you really look at it and decode sport even more and working in sport it's the same principle you're always working towards an event and during that process you're going to experience moments which money cannot buy. And for me that should be, in my opinion, a great motivator in why you want to work in the sports industry, in what impact you want to make during that process. So I really do hope you enjoyed that as much as I did really apply what Chris said about volunteering and get your hands dirty and get involved in events for example if this has interested you with regards to working in the mass participation sports industry take action good luck hustle hard and go for it now as always at the end of each interview I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker Chris said the reality working in the sports industry it's long hours it's hard work It's often unsociable hours, but it's absolutely an incredible industry to work in.